everybody. It's been quite the the last week. Um, there was a point where, man, we thought maybe we were seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And um, after which we got probably the, that same day where I was already thinking like, oh, okay, this thing is kind of going down. Um, we got a notice, you know, from the government saying that there's, you know, new cluster here in Seoul. It's not reason to be alarmed, but it's reason to continue to exercise um, caution. And so, yes, it is our third Sunday live streaming. For some of you, it might be the fourth if you missed our last service that we had in person at Heart House. Um, right along this time is when it starts getting a bit harder to stay connected. I think the first couple of weeks, it's relatively easy to feel like, okay, I can keep doing this. Yeah, I think I could go on like this. Um, but right along, probably the third week is when you start feeling the drag of it. Like you start feeling like, uh, how much longer is this going to go for? Uh, and so we want to do everything in our power to keep ourselves connected. So what I'm going to do right now is actually I am on my laptop here. And since we are live, I can actually see you guys amening here on the, on the comments. And it's pretty cool. Casey sends us a shout out to our handsome drummer. Um, so you don't need to lie. You're, you're commenting on live stream. Um, but yes, yeah, so we have shout outs to our drummer today. Um, we have Isaac. I see you. You're joining us from Singapore. Uh, we see uh, Lydia uh, also saying handsome drummer. Um, again, no need to lie. Um, <laughs> boo. <laughs> Uh, but one thing I wanted to do, um, just for the next two minutes, if you are on live stream and you are looking at the chat room on the side, um, <laughs> a handsome worship leader as well. All right. All right. Not handsome preacher. No, I mean, handsome preacher, a uh, good looking preacher. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so we are, uh, going to take just a moment to hear from you guys. Um, it's been a long three weeks and many of us have stayed at home for the last three weeks. And after a while you start going a little crazy. And so you end up doing things that you normally wouldn't do because you're cooped up at home. And I wanted to hear, I wanted to hear, uh, what you guys have been doing, uh, this past week. Perhaps you've been cooking a lot. Perhaps you've been watching a Netflix series. Perhaps you've been, you know, catching up on reading. You've been reading articles. Uh, hey, Kyla, good to see you here as well. Um, yeah, so for the next two minutes, can you just get on the comments? And I'd love to hear what some of you guys have been doing. <laughs> um, Stella got on our new Philly account and she said, short preacher. Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so what have you guys been doing? Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> Stop hitting on us through the comments and answer these questions. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So what have you do been doing at home? Oh, yes. So it's home young. He made a movie trailer. If you guys haven't seen it, watch it on YouTube. It's at, the link is on his Facebook and his Instagram as well. Uh, Lydia lives. She made avo toast for service today. I hope you're enjoying it while you're watching this. You started a new hobby. What does that mean? Knitting. Okay. Okay. So you took up a new hobby. You're learning to knit. Binging on Netflix, uh, beating Stella in Smash Brothers. That's from Casey. So Stella, take note of that. 
establishing morning routines, more reading, more writing. That's right. We always put off these things uh, because we don't have the time. But now that we do have the time, this is the time to take these things on. Netflix, admin work from home, cooking lots. Hanshik uh, because it's too expensive to buy it here. That's from someone, from Isaac, who's tuning in from Singapore. Um, eating uh, West Falls cheesecake, spring cleaning. All right, these are some good ideas. Hopefully you're taking note of this uh, because if things continue to go on this way, uh, we'll have to start getting creative at some point this week. Um, I, I don't know if you guys can see, but I normally don't do my nails, but that's how bored I was this week. Like I did my nails at home. I hope you appreciate it, people. Uh, yes, and West was going to keep baking. Make sure you get some for me as well. Um, yes, uh, so we have a lot of people uh, doing a lot of really fun things at home. So keep yourselves entertained. Keep yourselves from, you know, uh, right along this time, we start getting a bit weary, a bit tired. And so these are some great ideas for us to um, take on for this upcoming week. So thank you guys, Katan as well, YouTubing, eating out, organizing your house. Um, Thank you guys for all these ideas, and we'll keep this in mind as we continue on this week. Um, Yeah, so keep at it. Keep at it. Um, It's, we're still in the middle of it. We're still continuing to press on. Um, And when we start feeling, you know, uh, Um, how it taxes our body, our time, our emotions. Um, This is when we really need to step it up as a family and connect with one another intentionally, be there for one another, give one another ideas, be present with one another uh, in different ways uh, that don't put others at risk as well. So that's my encouragement for you. Thank you guys for joining us today live. Uh, Just hearing from you guys, it makes me feel a bit more like we're in the same room as well. Um, so last Sunday, we had um, a joint service with brothers and sisters from King's Cross and Gospel City Church. And it was a really amazing time for us to gather together as one and stream together. Uh, we, we had our offering last week go, go towards Hope Ridge, which is a nonprofit charity that is actively mobilizing aid to help... Um, address this time of crisis. Do we have slides right now? Are they going on? Is there a way to put them up here so I can see? Okay. Yes. Thank you. Um, um, Yeah. So I wanted to give everybody an update together between the three communities. We raised a total of over 2.3 mil, 2.3 mil just within the span of five days And all of it is going towards charity. The three things that they're doing at this time, they're providing services for uh, medical workers who are on the front lines. So they send, they put together packages, anything from like pakasu to like masks to, um, you know, sanitizing, uh, sanitizing um, items. Um, So that's helping our medical workers on the front lines. Uh, They also make, uh, put together care packages uh, that have supplies and groceries for those who are home quarantined. And then third, they also are making packages for sanitary supplies and aid for people in need. There's people in this nation uh, who are unable to actually go out of their homes, stand in line, get groceries, stand in line for face masks, things like that. And so they're actually putting together these packages and they are going out 
to see them and delivering these packages. So thank you so much for giving towards that. Um, it really is amazing to see a community coming together uh, and um, championing this cause. All right, so um, today's message... Uh, I don't think the slides are working. Um, yeah, today's message... Um, is titled Loving My Neighbor. Loving My Neighbor. Um, in the last week, we've seen, uh, in the last three weeks, we've seen um, a nation rising to the occasion and really putting time, effort, finances, prayers, efforts, just everything going towards um, making it together as a nation. And we've seen some articles coming out already. Uh, these are just some pictures um, of, sorry, can we go to the next slide? Yes. Yeah. Um, these are some pictures of some nurses and you see that they have bandages all over their faces. And that's just simply because they're wearing protective gear all day and they've been doing this for weeks now. And so they, their, their faces start to blister, things like that. And so we're seeing uh, men and women um, who are in the front lines who are really serving uh, this nation, serving this country uh, so selflessly. So I wanted to take a time just to say thank you. Thank you. You don't need to do this, and yet uh, you're going above and beyond and really serving this nation at a time of great need. So thank you so much for that. Um, we're going to open up our Bibles to Luke 10, Luke chapter 10, and starting at verse 25. So Luke chapter 10, verse 25. If you have your physical Bibles with you, wherever you are, I encourage you to open them up and um, open up to Luke 10. Starting verse 25. And it starts out by saying, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? And he answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. Verse 29, but he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers. 
The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Amen. So when we talk about this passage, you know, it's a very well-known, very familiar passage. The first place that we must begin in is that we aren't the Pharisee, we aren't the Levite, and we aren't the Samaritan. We are actually the body left for dead on the side of the road. The mercy shown to us at great personal expense of the Samaritan, who had every right to walk on the other side of the street, is the primary point of this parable. It isn't, hey, just do better. It is, hey, when you were in need, when you were left for dead, when you had no hope, when you were at the mercy of someone else's charity, someone took pity on you. Someone showed mercy to you. When you were left for dead, somebody opened up their own wallet, took of their own time, made their own efforts, went out of their own way. They were on the way somewhere else. They went out of their way to show you mercy. And obviously, this good Samaritan to all of us is Jesus Christ. He was a neighbor to us when he was probably the most far removed from us. It wasn't just a distance between a Jew and a Samaritan. It wasn't just a distance between a Pharisee and and, uh, someone who would be unclean. It was a distance between a sinner and a holy, holy, holy God. And so if there ever was a reason for anyone to deny someone help, it should have been then. A holy God who cannot commune with fallen flesh, with fallen mankind. He was the one to sacrificially come to us when we were left for dead. And he was the one who showed us mercy. It was him who despite every reason he had to walk on the other side, he was the one who was a true neighbor to us. And that is the starting point of the gospel. It is from there, and we need to understand that that is the starting point. It is from there that Jesus now says, now go and do likewise. Now go and love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Now go and love your neighbor as yourself in the same way that I have loved you. But the question I actually have for you today isn't just along those lines. I want to ask us um, a somewhat nuanced question, and it has everything to do with the crisis situation that we are in right now. And that question is, what does it look like to love God And to love our neighbor in our current situation. What does that look like? What does it look like for us to love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. And to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now let me pose to you this this alternate ending, if you will, to this parable. What if the Samaritan... 
had come along and helped in a completely different way. What if he came by and gave that left for dead body a college scholarship or tied his shoelaces or fixed his hair? You know, then it wouldn't be known as the parable of the Good Samaritan. It would be known as a parable of the well-intentioned but useless Samaritan. Like, good intentions, great. You're really going out of your way. You're approaching somebody that's in need. But you're not doing really anything that is necessary in that moment. Nothing that's of help in that moment. Or what if we were to take it actually further? What if, out of his good intentions, he had actually tried to help in a way that was harming that left-for-dead body? What if he sees someone whose life is hanging by a thread and he did something to worsen his situation, essentially killing him? Then it wouldn't be known as a story of the Good Samaritan. It would be known as a story of involuntary manslaughter, basically. That's what it would be. It's a story of someone who has good intentions and yet he actually harms his neighbor, whether it be intentionally or not. And so I need us to examine this question prayerfully and ask the Lord for guidance for this season. How are we called to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? And how are we called to love our neighbor as ourselves? Now, as I preached a couple of weeks ago, loving God in this kind of situation, it means trusting in God. And if you listen carefully, one of the things that I've been very careful not to say is that, hey, if you trust God, you're not going to get this virus. If you trust God, it doesn't matter how many people are coughing around you. It doesn't matter whether you have a mask or not. You're going to be immune from all this. This is not what I have said. And I've been very careful not to say that. In our best intentions, in our attempt to have people not panic, to have people turn to the Lord for comfort and for assurance, in our attempt to do that, we cannot promise someone something that the Bible does not promise. God and trusting in God does not give us virus immunity, although he may do that. He may do that. God is able to move in that way, but it doesn't guarantee us virus immunity. It does guarantee us, however, strength, courage, discernment, selflessness, grit to make it through the season, no matter what the outcome. I hope this makes sense because I don't want us to overgeneralize things and over-spiritualize things in a way that makes us very careless towards the way in which we display our faith and the way that we choose to love our neighbor. We need to trust God. We need to know that we are secure in him ultimately, whether we get the virus or not. Some experts at this time, they're saying there's a great percentage of the world population that will at one time or another go through the symptoms of having this virus. And for us as believers who are trying hard as we might to reassure people not to panic, reassure people, hey, you're still secure. We cannot make promises that the Bible does not give. And so we have to be very discerning very wise in the words of comfort that we give towards one another. In the same way that we saw believers in Wuhan, 
even just four weeks ago, giving reassurance to Christians who are here, right on the other side, you know, here in Korea, they weren't saying, hey, it's not a big deal. Hey, it's not, it's just like getting a cold. They weren't saying those things. They were saying, hey, this is actually a big deal, but there's something that you can do about it. Hey, it's a big deal. That's why you need to be strengthened in the Lord. This is a big deal. So you need to do everything in your power to know how you're going to respond when the time comes. In the same way that they gave us that encouragement in a timely way, it is now our turn here in Korea to do the same for many nations who are just entering into it. So as believers, and especially as believers in this community, I want us to be very careful in how we give comfort to those who right now are probably feeling a lot of fear all around the world. So loving God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, it looks a very particular way. It means that you have the opportunity in this situation to love God extravagantly with all your affections, all your volition, all your passion, all your intellect, and that does not exclude wisdom and discernment. That does not mean that we can cast off all our worries to the wind and not pay attention to what the government is asking us. You know, the government is pleading with us, please, please think about your neighbor. Please do what is loving to those who have a higher chance of really permanently being harmed by this. Please be loving towards one another. That is what we hear the government cautioning us to do. And we, in our religious zeal, we cannot cast these things off as alarmist. We cannot cast these things off as an overreaction. We need to be loving and discerning at this hour because we love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. And this brings me to the second part. What does it look like to love your neighbor at this time? What does it look like to love your neighbor? In any other circumstance, it would look like, hey, you need to get up off your butt, get up off your couch, go and meet people who are in need of comfort, go and buy groceries for someone else, go and meet in masses and and pray together. That's what it would look like in other situations. But knowing what we know, knowing that this is something that would actually endanger those around us. It means that we need to be very prayerful about the way that we choose to love our neighbor. It gets a bit more dicey because of the situation that we are in. And my encouragement to us as a community, especially here in Seoul, now that it feels like maybe things are slowing down, maybe maybe we're past the worst of it, And there are no guarantees just yet. My encouragement to us at this time is continue to exercise precaution. Don't take chances that someone else will have to pay for. Continue to limit your personal liberties out of love for your neighbor. Continue to inconvenience yourself. It means saying no to certain things. It means being more present in different ways. We have, we have the blessing and the privilege of having technology that is able to keep us connected with one another without actually endangering one another. 
And so be very prayerful about the measures that you take at this time because it reflects how we choose to love our neighbor at this time. Does that, I hope this makes sense. I don't mean be the more paranoid you are, the better, the more loving you are. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that this circumstance, it requires prayer. It requires discernment. It requires weighing different things. If I were to give you just a brief example, even us to be able to host this kind of online um, service, we had to measure and weigh a lot of different things. And so out of love and regard to fellow staff members, fellow people that right now behind the scenes, they're helping run this. We've taken some precautions, everything from sanitizing, every mic that we're using, everything from as long as you're not on camera, we're asking you to wear masks, everything from, you know, making sure that the equipment that we're using is being sanitized, um, minimizing the number of people that we have in this room, everything from that to making sure that we are keeping ourselves safe throughout the week in order for us not to endanger someone else. And it's a very uncomfortable place to be. Personally for myself, I have a very hard time saying no. I am a bit of a people pleaser. And so when people say, hey, let's meet up, or like, hey, let's hang out, or hey, let's do this, um, I have a very hard time saying no because I want to be there for someone else. I, I, I go stir crazy when I get stuck at home for a long periods of time. And for me, it's very hard for me to say no and exercise, you know, discipline in that moment and, you know, weigh things in that moment. And so in that same way, I'm asking our entire community to do the same. We're still not out of the woods. We're still not in the clear. It's still too soon to say that. And we won't really know for another week or two. I think we're seeing really incredible uh, a slowing down in numbers. But what we're seeing today is actually a result of precautions that we took two weeks ago. So two weeks ago, we were on high alert. Everybody was home. Everybody was quarantined. You know, everybody was like, all right, this is no joking matter. I'm going to stay home. So the results that we're seeing today is actually thanks to precautions that we took two weeks ago. But the precautions that we decide to take today, now that the crisis mode is starting to slowly wear off, just as we're starting to like, hey, it's not such a big deal. Now we're seeing numbers slowing down. It's all the more important for us to remain alert, to continue to um, exercise uh, precautions for the sake of those around us. Now, something that really fascinates me, and this is partially because I have a bit of a background in psychology, um, I've been really fascinated by our psychological reaction to crisis. And it starts out, you know, very particular ways in which we humans are wired to react to crisis situations. And now the moment that we are in, it's a prolonged crisis. It's not a crisis of one week, not even two weeks. We're looking at perhaps a month or two, if not more. And so how we sustain that same level of alertness it's even harder the longer it goes because everything in our mind, everything in our heart, everything, the way that we are designed and wired, it is to want to crave a sense of normalcy sooner or later. And we cannot sustain uh, a sense of high panic, high alert for very prolonged periods of time. And so I wanted to walk us through just very quickly 
some very common psychological reactions to immediate crisis. So this is probably where we were at as residents here in Seoul a couple of weeks ago. So the first um, way, and this is according to uh, um, a report um, given by CDC, the first way is vicarious rehearsal. Vicarious rehearsal. What this means is those people who are actually far removed from the immediacy of the crisis, they are actually uh, more prone to take um, to take unreasonable measures, whether too lax or too paranoid, because you're one step removed from it. So this is actually where we were at perhaps a month ago. When we were hearing these warnings come out of China, we were like, you know, if I were in their shoes, this is probably what I would do different. Is this efficient? You know, is our, our mask necessary? Is social isolation and social distancing necessary? While all the while experts were saying, like who were on ground zero, they were saying, yes, you need to be ready for these things. So this is something that we experienced even just a month ago as people who are residing here in Korea. We're saying, well, yeah, I don't know if I would do that. And, and this report, it, it calls these people who react in this way, they call them armchair victims. Because you are sitting back in your armchair, you're watching someone, something happen to someone else. And because of the luxury of time that you have, while others don't, because of that distance that you have, you have a greater possibility to be much more critical about the measures that are being taken at ground zero. And so that is vicarious rehearsal. It means that you are, you are stepping into someone else's shoes and you, because of your distance, you're not thinking, oh, this is actually a threat to me or this is something that I'm taking too lightly or too seriously. Uh, because you're a step removed, what you end up doing is with no harm to yourself, you're theorizing what you would do if you were in their shoes. And sometimes that leads you actually to irrational behavior. Um, second is denial. So members of the community in the immediacy of the urgency of the moment, uh, they will respond in denial. That could look like you actively avoid getting warnings or action recommendations. Uh, you might become agitated or confused by the warnings. You might not believe the threat is real or you may not believe that the threat is real to you. It could happen to someone else. And so we're seeing this here in Korea, even as people in, in, you know, with the best intentions, wanting to, um, wanting to counter any panic that might happen, they downplay the very real and very sober risk. And so they will say like, hey, 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 as long as you don't have preconditions, this is really nothing more than just a cold to you. And health officials and experts um, who are at the forefront, they're saying, actually, no, this is a big deal, whether it affects you personally in a very serious and permanent way or not. This is actually a big deal. So you need to take these precautions seriously. And so people, especially in our expat community, people who are not perhaps connected to the day-to-day, -day, you know, the hour-by-hour -hour news that is coming out mostly in Korean language, um, I put myself in that category as well. Because it's not, because I'm not understanding everything that's coming out hour-by-hour, -hour, I tend to be more like, a bit more laid back. And I think, well, yeah, I guess things continue on their course, but there's a certain 
sense of denial that I have to make sure that I don't fall into. Third is stigmatization. In some instances, victims may be stigmatized by their communities and refuse services or public access. So in certain situations, because you are someone who's suffering from this, we're not talking about social uh, isolation, medical isolation, which is required in this case. We're talking about denying someone either tests or help uh, because they are their victims in the moment. And so we're seeing different charities and organizations trying to counter that. Hey, we are going to be even more present to help you, but we're not going to endanger you or people around you. Um, and so we're going to choose to go about it in ways where it is sanitary, uh, where things are delivered to you and you don't need to come out to us. We see the government trying to circumvent that risk uh, of stigmatization. Fourth, we see can be fear and avoidance. So fear is an important psychological consideration that we need to take in mind when we're thinking about response to crisis. The fear of the unknown or the fear of the uncertainty is the most debilitating of the psychological responses to disaster. And that is why it is imperative for the government to be transparent with numbers, for us to not feel like they're probably lying to us. And so... Uh, then I am even more prone to fall into panic and fear and fall into irrational behavior. Um, That's why it's so important for there to be transparency in what is being communicated. And so it doesn't mean, hey, close your eyes and close your ears to uh, the reports that are coming out. It's even more important for you to be well-informed, to know where you're getting your facts in order for you to battle fear and panic. And lastly, um, fifth, a way to a, a common psychological reaction to crisis is that some people uh, will fall into withdrawal, hopelessness, and helplessness. And this is probably most relevant to us right now when we are in week three, week four of being in high alert. Um, We might go into withdrawal, hopelessness, and helplessness when we start feeling like, how long is this going to go? Is there an end to this? Is anything that I'm doing uh, showing any results? Um, And so for for prolonged crises, this is even more important for us to not go into withdrawal, hopelessness, and helplessness. Um, Sometimes people accept that the threat is real, but the threat looms so large that they feel that the situation is hopeless. And they feel helpless to protect themselves. And so instead, they withdraw. And so in our efforts to make sure that everybody remains connected, remains well-informed, and continues to take precautions, we want to make sure that people don't fall into withdrawal, hopelessness, and helplessness. And so I'm hoping that this is just a bit, um, you know, this gives us a bit of insight in terms of how we've been responding. And this is common, whether you're a believer or not, this is common to people. This is a very common psychological reaction to crisis. You can fall into vicarious rehearsal, denial, stigmatization, fear and avoidance, withdrawal, hopelessness, and helplessness. And this is very common. And so the more aware we are of this, the more vigilant we can be to counter these things. And the more sober-minded we can be about where we are today, what measures we need to take today and also how to be intentional about loving God and loving our neighbor. And so hopefully this gives us uh, just a bit of insight. Um, I want to just end with this for our community. Um, it is, as I've been saying, it's, it's been an ongoing 
um, crisis that we have been a part of. Um, and right now where we are at, where we are at today as people who have been already, um, in the midst of it for the last few weeks, there's three current challenges for us. You know, the first one, like I mentioned before, it is, we have the challenge to not get too careless too fast. And again, I said, we are wired for our crisis mode, our high alert, our, our fight or flight response to wear off over time. So we need to make sure that we don't get too careless too fast. That we don't jump the gun and saying like, hey, this thing is, was overblown, I guess. And we're actually fine. And perhaps all the measures that we took were overboard. We cannot get too careless too fast. This is something that I've been struggling with the last week. Um, as the weather is getting nicer, you know, as I'm getting more, more and more sick of staying at home, as I'm feeling like, oh, maybe it, it was too much, you know, too soon. And, um, I start regretting the, the precautionary measures that I took in the beginning. Uh, I've had to fight this urge to get too careless too fast. That's why it's important for us to still be informed. Um, the government, even as of last night in their daily briefing, they said it's actually too soon for us to put down our guard. Even here in Seoul, we haven't seen, uh, you know, the, the cluster that we saw here in Seoul, we haven't seen it blow up just yet, but it's still too soon for us to put down our guard. And so we need to make sure that we don't get too careless too fast just because the numbers have been reassuring for the last few days. Second challenge for us is to not come to the wrong conclusions. Let's not come to the wrong conclusions. For us to be like, see, we worry too much, you know? And so other nations like that are asking, are looking to Korea and China now to give, you know, proper warning, you know, because we weren't really, you know, deeply affected here in Seoul, not that we weren't, but we haven't been to the extent that it was in Wuhan or even in Daegu, um, we might come to the wrong conclusions in saying like, hey, actually it wasn't as bad as they said it was, so you don't really need to worry too much. Other nations, hey, America, you don't need to worry. Hey, Europe, you don't need to worry. Um, We're coming to the wrong conclusions. Um, So we need to make sure that we don't jump to conclusions just yet. And now lastly, our third challenge is... To make sure, New Philly, we need to make sure that we show empathy for those who are just entering into the battle. Other nations especially. Now that it's all over news feeds, all over the world news, and now that it's really making you know, a grand entrance into the global scale of things, um, just because we went through that initial stage already, it doesn't mean that we... We um, lock, you know, we lock down our empathy, um, you know, and we kind of become dismissive about what people in a very real way are experiencing today. There's very real fear, real panic that is happening today. And for us to be three weeks in, four weeks in and say like, hey, you just need to calm down, okay? That is not the loving thing to say. That is not the loving thing to do when someone is in a very real way experiencing that fear and that panic. 
we can be reassuring in many ways. We can direct people to prayer in many ways. We can even go as far as to say, like, hey, these are some precautions that I took. And that didn't make me immune from anything, but it made me better prepared in case things do happen. We might go as far as even sharing that that um, that knowledge, but we need to make sure that we show great empathy to people who are in a very real way experiencing the initial fear that we felt maybe three weeks ago. So loving God and loving our neighbor, it isn't a simple matter. It will require discernment, being informed, being intentional, being sacrificial, and being empathetic. And now that it's at a much greater global scale, um, it is even more so, more important for us to be vigilant in those things. Um, as I ask, um, you know, praise seemed to come back up. Can we go to the next slide? Um, this was the tally as of a few hours ago this morning. Um, if we look at the chart, we're actually no longer second, no longer third, but we're actually fourth as a nation in terms of confirmed coronavirus cases. And so we are seeing Italy and Iran quickly outpace us in terms of confirmed cases. And very soon, it's very likely for other nations to continue to do so as well. And so we need to be prepared, you know, as a nation and as a church to be of service for brothers and sisters all around the world that will likely be very much in need of greater prayers, greater empathy, and greater love that is being shown as a body of Christ. We need to pray for China, for Italy, for Iran, for Spain, for Germany, for France, for the U.S., all these different nations that in the next week, they're going to begin to see numbers rising and and it's just a matter of time. And we need to know how to bless them we need to know how to reassure them. We need to know how to pray for them as well. So this is no longer just an Asian thing. This is no longer just a Korea thing. Um, this is now something uh, that the world is having to face at this moment. And whether we've been personally very affected or not, um, this is a time for us as a church to really pray and contend for those around us, not just in this nation, but also the nations of this world.